Wednesday night uh, Bible study. Uh, let's sing to the Lord, page 455. Faith is a victory. for 87 page 87 turn your eyes upon Jesus
last verse. His word shall not fail you. He promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying. His perfect salvation. <coughs> Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look town, so uh, you got me tonight, you're stuck with me for this this Wednesday and I think next Wednesday too, so uh, anyways, uh, we've heard good things about them uh, down there enjoying the sun. Um, I think we're going to enjoy some sun the next couple days too, would that be okay? <laughs> um, however, it'll be about 25 degrees, but... <laughs> um, Anyways, the Lord is just so good. I took our my in-laws, my parents, to the uh, airport tonight, dropped them off. They leave at 8 o'clock. They had really a tough time coming here. And uh, so he called right away, and we thought, oh, man, he must have forgot his wallet or something. And he called and said, uh, my plane's delayed. You're going to have to come back and get us. And he's just joking, of course. But he says, we were supposed to leave at 8.06, and we have to leave at 8.19 now. <laughs> So we're praying that they have a safe trip back. But I know a lot of folks have family and, and things that have been in town and you've been traveling. We were really down this last Sunday. Compared to the Sunday before, almost 80 people difference. That's, that's, that's a lot. But a lot of people are out of town. There's some illness and things. And so I appreciate you being here tonight and, and uh, being able to pray together and get in God's word. There is a few, um, few things I just... Uh, appreciate you praying for the mission team that's going to Peru. You... Hopefully you got a prayer card. If not, there's some at the Welcome Center. Uh, we met this last Monday night, and we really do appreciate your prayers. We, I feel a little better about one of the songs we're going to sing. It's How Great Thou Art, but it's we're singing it uh, uh, two stanzas in Spanish. And um, uh, that's a little bit difficult. Uh, it's difficult singing for a lot of us. It's difficult trying to sing in another language. So uh, Jose Santa Maria, he's came in and helped us, and it's really been a blessing. But... Please keep praying for us. We leave uh, a week or two weeks from this Thursday, so it's really coming up quick. Um, we are going to do a fundraiser uh, spaghetti feed in a couple Sundays, so if you um, want to help out with that, there's a sign-up at the Welcome Center, and 
and things. That would be greatly appreciated. It's neat to see how God is providing uh, in so many ways. And um, we just bought a books for the pastors down there. I got every book I can. How many of you have been through that book, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible? Okay. A few of you have been through that. Um, they have that in Spanish. And uh, I had uh, Cliff Maxfield look at it, and he said, this is excellent. It's good Spanish. It's a good overview. He said, in fact, I want to get all these to take down to Ecuador, where he ministers too. So um, we, we bought out Amazon. We bought out CBD. <laughs> so anyways, um, just pray that God will use that and got tracks and uh, different things for the VBS down there. And so just, just some neat things that are going to take place, I believe. Um, other than that, there's just, uh, I don't know, too many more things. I think we're kind of back to schedule with all of our services. Um, you know, we need to be praying. We do have a business meeting coming up in a couple of weeks. There's a lot of things that will be discussed there. We're going to elect officers. Um, we are going through some changes to the Constitution. Um, most of that's in regard to the uh, the marriage, gay marriage stuff that took place this last summer. And so we'll be praying for all that. And... Um, and then also talking about the building situation. Uh, if you haven't been over there, it's just amazing all that's getting done. Uh, but just keep praying uh, for all that that's, that's going on there. Um, a few other things. Just uh, be praying. Uh, Drew, Drew Bailey, his mom, Denise, um, she's recovering from a hysterectomy. Uh, she's home. She went in Monday. Is it Monday? Uh, Tuesday. She went in yesterday. And she's already home and things. So uh, if you would pray. Um, but, uh, anybody else have anything that we can, we can pray about or a testimony maybe of what the Lord's doing or something you read in your devotions? Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Are these the ones from up in... Okay, good. That's a good opportunity. Good. Good. So we can pray for Esther's nieces there, and it's a good time during family devotions to... Oh, they're over over there with Pastor Daniel, too, so good. I know there's a few of us that are taking in um, host students from Japan, too. Uh, So if you can be praying for that, these students will be here for three months, um, and they'll be going to LifeGate so we'll be praying that God would do work in their hearts. And um, what else? Back there, Diana? Okay. What's her name again? Linda Miller. That's, wow. Oh, no. Okay, pray for Linda Miller. Oh, that's tough. Okay, what else? How many of you have made it through your Bible reading for the year? Okay, some of you are almost, yeah, I hear that, almost. We still got, you know, a couple of days. Um, yeah, it's it's been neat. It's been neat to go through it and then starting again. And um, God's Word just, there's, there's so much good truth there. You just can't get over it, so amen. Any other prayer requests or praises? Okay. Praying for Joan Clark. She's got bad chest cold. Okay. 
All right, anything else? Mrs. Fisher, um, Donna, praying for her. She fell and hurt her shoulder. Um, did that a, a little while ago, I guess. She's doing better, but I want to keep praying for her. I did go by and see Pat Mose too. Um, she got some flowers from the church and things. Uh, her brother's funeral is January 4th. Um, just a real freak accident. Just happened within five minutes of their house. So um, really tough. They do have two grown boys. Uh, or uh, I think a girl and a boy that are grown, but just, just tough. So pray for her family. Okay, anything else? All right, well, let's, let's uh, gather in small groups and we can pray together and uh, then we'll uh, close out and we'll hear a message tonight, okay? All right. Would you stand and greet one another and then we'll... Um... Well, if you're, if you're done, maybe we can start um, turn our attention to the Word of God. There might be still a few praying. They can start wrapping it up. I was thinking of... And I believe it's in the book of Revelation where it talks about like almost like the smoke of incense going up before the Lord and, it, and it's a sweet smelling aroma. And uh, that's the prayers of the saints. You know how special it is for God to hear his people calling out to him, thanking him, praising him and seeking his help. Uh, don't don't ever underestimate that time. Sweet fellowship of prayer. Um, it's very important to our lives and important in our worship to the Lord. So it's good to, to hear that. Um, tonight, I'd like you to, to first turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 14. 2 Kings 14, verse 23. 2 Kings 14, verse 23. Tonight, we're going to talk about a reluctant prophet. We're going to talk about the one that's been called a sleeper. And um, just kind of looking at uh, this individual and the experiences he went, really learning, learning about what God did and what God was doing and the character of God. You know, if we're not in the Word of God and we're not in communion with our God, we're not going to know the mind of God. And so when we're not in that fellowship with God and knowing God, when the trials come in our lives, we're not going to we're not going to face those trials in the right way. We're not going to think about those things in the right way. We're going to we're going to think what we perceive how God should do things. And that's that's where you get yourself in trouble. And that's where we start asking ourselves, why God or why me, God, or uh, there's no way I can do that, God, or how am I ever going to get through this? And and I think we can learn a lot about our God in looking at this prophet. And this prophet is not new to you, but it might be new to you in looking at this passage to begin our study of this reluctant prophet. So hopefully you're in Second Kings 14. We're going to start reading in verse 23. And this is going to be really a prosperous time in Israel, in northern kingdoms. And we'll be reading about a man named Jeroboam. This is Jeroboam the second one. Uh, there was Rehoboam, then Jeroboam. This is, um, this is a, a different Jeroboam. So we start reading in verse 23. <clears throat> in the 15th year of uh, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria. And reigned 41, 40 and one years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam, the first one that turned Israel away from Jerusalem and from the Lord. 
the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. He restored the coasts of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was Gathif, which was of Gathifer. All right, so during this time, this Jeroboam II was a very prosperous time in Israel. In fact, he regained land that had been taken away by his enemies, so much so that the, the area of Samaria and the northern kingdom there was as large as it had ever been. Very, very prosperous time in northern Israel. But was it a godly time? No, it wasn't. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not turn away from the first Jeroboam uh, that had caused them to turn their eyes really in their hearts away from from Jerusalem in, in true worship of the Lord. Verse 26, For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel, that it was very bitter. For there was not any shut up, nor any left, nor any helper for Israel. Just a, just a tough time, but very prosperous time. And the Lord said not that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Just interesting how God was working there. But I don't know if you caught it, the prophet we're going to talk about tonight, the sleeper, the reluctant prophet, is a man named Jonah. This man named Jonah, this was, this was during this time of Jeroboam II. It was a very prosperous time. He was from Gathifer, which is about 14 miles west of the Sea of Galilee. So he actually was a Galilean. Or the Pharisees said, or I think, believe it was the Pharisees, someone had said, what good comes out of Galilee? Well, they forgot about Jonah, okay? And maybe they thought, maybe they did think of Jonah. I don't know. <laughs> he had kind of, as we know the story. Um, but this Jonah is not known really as a prophet of Israel. He's known as one of the first missionaries to go out of Israel and to go to a heathen land and to preach God and really God's wrath. Uh, there's not of other, not a lot of other um, prophets that went out and did something to like that. So if you would open your Bibles. Uh, now to the book of Jonah. That'd be great. I'd like to spend just uh, this Wednesday, next Wednesday, talking about or looking at the book of Jonah. And uh, really, there's so much we can learn from this, and, and not just about Jonah, but about our God and um, how how our God works and the heartbeat of God. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different thoughts about uh, Jonah and why he didn't want to go and all that and Nineveh. And we'll talk about some of that. Uh, but we really just see a lot of themes of God. God is God is a God that's full of compassion. He's a God that's ready to forgive. He is a God that is full of wrath, too. But he is a God that that is open to, to all. And as we think about missions, really, we I praise the Lord for our church in, in helping missionaries. But this has been God's heartbeat all the way from the beginning. Okay, and uh, even the woman at the well and our our um, our groups going through some Bible studies. And the first lesson was about the woman at the well and how God's seeking worshipers to worship him. Um, Every man really is running from God, but God is seeking them and trying to get them and to change them and to help them to be worshipers for him. And as you know, the story of the woman at the well, she wants to not talk about all this. She wants to talk about where to worship. She wants to talk about all these other things. And Jesus says, you need to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, and really helps her to get right. And then she goes and tells others how they can um, hear about the Messiah. 
But as we're in Jonah chapter 1, just reading a few things. We'll, we'll just read through this chapter and the next one, and, and next Sunday we'll, we'll finish this book out. But I want us just to think about some of these, these ideas here. Um, verse 1 we read, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying... So God was speaking to this prophet, though we know he was a reluctant prophet. He was of the northern kingdom. It was a very prosperous time. They had much land. Uh, It was a wicked time, though. They still, where their hearts were set apart, they were not going down to Jerusalem to worship and things. God had this man to use. It's interesting. There's there is a Jewish a Jewish tradition has it. It says that his father is this is Amittai. But do you know? Uh, and I've never heard this before. And I'm not, it's not a it's not a hill to die on. It's a little speculative, but Jewish tradition, because of the time of Jeroboam, this is not this is during the time of really Elijah, okay? That the widow of Zarephath, remember she had a child that died, and that was raised to life again. Jewish tradition says that that child was Jonah. Interesting. You ever heard that before? I hadn't either, and I'm not going to stake my life on it. But that's the same time, okay? So very very interesting in that. That way. Um, But God says to Jonah, this reluctant prophet, he says, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city and cry against it for their wickedness is come up before me. So God gives a a command to this prophet Jonah to arise and go boy to, to just hear that. You know, there's times that God calls us and he says, arise and go. There's there's different. Things that he calls us to, maybe not to another country, but he calls us to to tell others about Christ or to do something specific for him, some type of ministry. Uh, with my boys, I've been reading through Gladys Elward. It's been really just neat to see how this woman who was not qualified in many people's eyes go to China and just nobody thought she could do it, uh, but she did it. But now we're reading about a man named... Um, uh, Overholster is his last name, but they call him, uh, I think it's Mr. O. He's the one that started Child Evangelism Fellowship. Do you know how old he was when he started uh, CEF? He was 60 years old. And uh, he felt that God wanted him to start this as a ministry to children. How many 60-year-olds are ready to start a ministry, but then start a ministry to children? Um, I, I don't have to be, you know, some some ladies are very compassionate and very good with children, but most men are not in that crowd, okay, <laughs> to be honest, right? Um, and, and honest, you know, we should be, right? That's the work of grace in us, but it, it, takes, it takes patience with children. But God called him at 60, and he obeyed that call, arise and go. And he started a ministry, really. He was only with it 15 years, and three years later, he passed away. But God used that man to start something that's international. I remember when I was a child, these being taught by these flannel graphs, you know, and it's just magical, something sticking. How does that work? But, but my neighbor investing in us as a little kid. And uh, you know of others, and I know I've had a part in that, and it's neat to see some of the teenagers that we used to teach in release time and, and what God's done in that way. But arise and go. And he was to go to this place, Nineveh, a place really that was his arch enemy. This is of the, the Assyrians. It would have been uh, northeast of where they're at, um, uh, many miles, probably a few hundred miles. But this were the Assyrians. The Assyrians were known for going to places and just devastating societies. I mean, killing multitudes, genocide, horrible, horrible people. Uh, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. 
Um, it's called a great city. It was probably one of the largest cities during that time. Uh, some have estimated it was probably 60 miles wide. In fact, as it talks later of Jonah, when he spewed out and he's going to preach, he talks about preaching, he goes, talks about walking for three days. Most people think that's how long it took him to walk through the city. Think about it, 60 miles. I mean, that would, and as you're preaching too. Um, when we had this evangelist that came through, that's what he would often do. He'd walk around, give people tracks, and he had a little, he had a little uh, recorder that he'd play. And it was just like a 10-minute message. Repent. Turn to the Lord. God doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants to save you. I mean, same thing. Repent. Turn to the Lord. God doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants to save you. And he just kept going around talking to people. And that's very confrontational. But I was thinking, that's, that's the prophet. Okay, that's the truth. And that's what Jonah, and, and you think about Jonah, the Assyrians being really his arch enemy and uh, being a great city and uh, done wicked things, he probably didn't, he may not have put a lot of heart into his message either, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. He's wanting them to be judged. Maybe he did. It was a, it was a judgment of wrath. Um, but but um, we see here, he's called to go there, that great city, and cry against it, he's told. And cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. It was a very wicked society, but there was much idolatry that was taking place. And Jonah is called, and called to go. And this just shows the heartbeat of God going to reach your enemy with the gospel. And, uh, you know, folks, it's easy for us to conjure up certain thoughts about people and... Um, we start making stereotypes and judgment of people that God still cares. He cares for their heart and their soul, and he wants them to come to know him. Um, and I think something else as we see through here, one of the reasons I believe God is doing this is really to shame Israel and cause them to turn to the Lord. And I say that because here is prosperous Israel. They're the largest they've ever been. As Back to the time of Solomon, very affluent, things are going well, but yet their hearts are far from God. Here's a wicked city, Nineveh. They're far from God. They don't even know the true God, and they turn back to God. Think about that. Um, it's interesting how, how even later Jesus would talk about these, um, about Jonah, and he talked to the Pharisees that this was a sign, and often these Pharisees didn't want to listen, but he's He's talking right back to how these wicked people turn to the Lord and those so-called righteous would not turn back. Verse three, but Jonah, he rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Here we see really the reluctancy, um, maybe even the rebellion of Jonah wanting to totally go. God, I will not do this. In fact, I will go so far away, really the other way, uh, Nineveh being being up there to the northeast um, and Tarsus being over by Spain. Okay, it would be like um, the Assyrians kind of Russia, Iraq, Iran, kind of kind of that area. And he's going all the way to Spain on the on the sea of a totally opposite way. Many of you have seen that on a map. He's wanting to do his own thing. And he, it says here he's trying to free, uh, flee from the very presence of the Lord. And we know that's not possible. But yet he's just trying to get rid of that calling that God has. And he's trying to put it under 
and put it under. And I think there's times in our lives where we just, we put it under, we put it under, and we just don't want to listen to that. We put other things in our lives and we get ourselves busy and they might even be good things, but we're not letting God just mold and we're not listening to him. And so uh, he's trying to flee, of course, um, God has other plans for him. But God is everywhere. God's already seen the sin and the wickedness of Nineveh. He knows exactly what's going on with Jonah. Uh, verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was little to be broken. Here we see just how God is in full control. God is the author of the winds and the storms. God knows everything. God can cause the storms. And you just mark it up. God is in control. We see kind of another character here as we read, and that's the weather. But ultimately, it's God, the one that is is driving these winds and and these things. Verse 5, Then the, the mariners were afraid and cried, Every man unto his God, and cast forth the waters that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. Thus we get the name Jonah the sleeper. So the shipmaster came to him. You, again, you can just see how he's trying to, to sleep off that calling. He's trying to get rid of what God's doing. He's trying to put those, uh, that conviction and that burden and that calling off to the side. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think will think upon us that we perish not. So even this shipmaster, he's not seen a storm like this. He's saying, hey, everybody needs to call to their gods. And we, we need to see if, if, if um, the gods can help us. And they said everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. You often read in the Bible, there were times that they cast lots. They did that with uh, when, when Judas hung himself for the next um, apostle. They, they cast lots and different things. And God, God at times used that, okay? And we see that here. In God, the lot, it falls to Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation, and whence camest thou? What is thy country and of what people are thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew and fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Boy, what a mouthful. What a what a what a what a great um, a great declaration of his God. Huh? You know what I think of, though? I think here's a guy that knows. The theology about his God. He knows his God. He knows that his God is the true God. and It's better than their gods. And he knows that he's the living God. And he's saying all these things, but he's not living out his faith. That's for sure. And um, it's easy for us, I think, to to be like Jonah and to uh, to know all these things, all these theologies, say all these things. But yet our heart is is not right. We're still just putting off that that calling and that burden and what God's doing. And uh, really, it probably would have been a total to these sailors. I mean, he says, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Uh, a lot of these sailors were probably prophets of Baal, or not prophets, but worshipers of Baal. Uh, Baal, one of the things with Baal is the idea of the the sky and things like that. As even as um, 
when Elisha called down fire from heaven. Okay, that idea of it coming from heaven was again to show that their God was uh, was nothing, uh, but it, but just an idol, a vain idol. And so he has a lot of things to say here. Um, and the men, they responded. They said, then then were the men exceedingly afraid. I mean, you think about it, the storm, the lots, what he's saying. And he said unto them, why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And there's so much irony here. Then said they unto him, what shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea is wrought and it was temp- tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. Again, we see him just fleeing. What's he going to say? I'm just going to die. I will not go. I'm going to just. I'm just going to die. I mean, right? You get thrown in the sea, uh, you're, you're not going to probably be found. Okay. <laughs> I mean, throw me out. Um, get rid of me. I don't want to. I don't want to cause you harm. Uh, he says, "For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you." Look at the irony here. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea was wrought, just rough, rugged, and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord now and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. Think about that. Now there... They're almost, I mean, they're, they're calling out to God and asking God to, to not put this blood upon them. You see almost more compassion and, and care for Jonah, even though they're in the midst of a horrible sea, than Jonah has for his enemies. I mean, think about that. Um, these, these men, you know, it, it shows a little bit of their, their, their heart from They're in a horrible storm. And the lot's been upon him. And here's the way out. Throw him overboard. And they don't want to do it. They want to keep going. They want to call to his God even. But yet Jonah can't even go to his own people. And he's a prophet of God. The God of heaven. The maker of the sea and, and everything. And so <clears throat> they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. You know, we have a story like this. A true account of Christ when he said, peace be still. This had to just show the God of heaven <laughs> calming that storm. I just had to speak volumes to these these people. You see, God, God will work things for his glory. Do you understand that? He wants a he wants a yielded person. He wants somebody that's receptive and willing, but he he will work things out for his glory. Um, and, and we have our part in that, but. God's using this all for his glory and God is being magnified through this. But isn't it better when we're yielded to him? <laughs> no one wants to go through the grinder, right? Um, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and they made vows. They feared God. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days in three nights. Here again, we see God is in full control. God has prepared this great big fish. This fish is out in the exact same place in the midst of the storm. Jonah's out there and this fish is hungry and swallows him up. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of skeptics that would say, oh, wait, wait, wait a second. Everything was going well until this right here. Okay, this is this doesn't seem right. So we need to change this. We need to make this a parable. It's allegorical. This can't be a true historical account. What do we just read? I mean, they're casting lots. There's a great tempest. The fishermen are like, we've never seen anything like this ever before. Or these seamen. And, and when, when Jonah, or Jonah is thrown off, it's, it's calm, like it was when Jesus calmed the storm. Um, I think there's already miracles going on, just saying, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think as you look at that, that key word is prepared. God is in full control again. God was preparing this great big fish. God prepares things in our lives, too. Now, God's not always after us. We're not always putting aside his calling and what he has for us. And he's going to correct us as he does um, his children. But but God prepares things in our own lives. God prepares those storms and he prepares those trials. And he does that ultimately for his glory and to refine us. But God prepared this fish to swallow him. Three days. That's a long time. Um, And uh, we know later that Jesus would make reference to to this and his resurrection. But he's in this belly. Now God God is going to take him and really just take his hand, if you want to say it, and he's going to get him where he needs to go. And it's going to be a hardship, but he's going to go through this. And really chapter 2 is, in many ways, is is, um, is kind of a almost a psalm in some ways. It's a prayer here. It says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction... Unto the Lord, and he heard me. Isn't that great? God is always right there when we go through the trials. He's right there. He's ready. He's willing. He's running to us. He has an open ear. But we've got to confess, don't we? We've got to, we've got to confess that. We've got to get right with him. How much better it is when we finally just submit to God. I, you know, you see that in your own families as you raise your children. And, uh, and, and we see it in our own lives where there's times where we don't want to do what we know we should do, what we're told to do, what the authority wants us to do, and we just don't want to do it. And it's that sin nature in there. It's that refusal. And uh, how much better it is to finally just submit, right? Confess, get right. With my kids, it's so sweet to get to that point where they're now ready to say, forgive me, come, come give me a hug. You know, uh, how sweet that is, isn't it? It's a sweet embrace, but just like the prodigal son, as the prodigal son comes back, the father is standing, watching, and he runs to the son. He said, I cried by reason of mine affliction of the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of, the, uh, the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Now, he's not really in hell or Hades, but the idea is that he's in that fish's belly. And, and the Lord heard. The Lord, just like the Lord was there when he was fleeing. The Lord's there when he's in the midst of this suffering and this great affliction that he's going through. <clears throat> For thou hast came, cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All the, thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about even to the soul the depths closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. Could you imagine? Oh, I hate, I hate, I'm claustrophobic. This would not be uh, enjoyable. How many, how, many of you, um, how many of you like fish, for one thing? God bless you. Okay. I, don't, I don't mind eating it sometimes. My wife can't stand it. But I don't like the smell of fish. Okay. 
I don't know about seaweed. I had a roommate uh, in college uh, that was Korean. And so he would get these things sent from his homeland. And, and that's great and fine for him. But um, these things would come through and he'd just, he'd open up that big box. And then he would, um, then he would start peeling open some of that stuff. He'd have this seaweed, okay, had a different smell. I tried it, very salty, very, very salty. It was like, and some of you like this stuff, okay, so that's, that's okay. But um, he would try this stuff, and I tried some, you know, I'll try it, you know. wasn't the worst, but the worst was he had these, uh, uh, it was octopus. So they had this sealed octopus, and he would open that up, and oh, the smell. He wasn't very clean, okay, and I'm not trying to be mean, he was a high school student. I was trying to help him, trying to mentor him and things. And we just kind of left his side of the room one spot. There was four of us, and he, we left it. And there were three of us. We just kind of, that was his. We do a white glove every um, once a semester at Bob Jones. I mean, somehow he passed. Uh, he got a lot of demerits and stuff. But the white glove came around, and I said, you know what? I, I said, his name was Jiho. I said, Jiho, I got to help you clean this up. We got to pass. So I started going through these drawers. I got to a drawer, and in that drawer um, was his, um, uh, what was it? Um, not seaweed, but the um, octopus, half open. He had gotten this like a, a month and a half ago. And I opened that thing up, and I about fell over. And I said, uh, this is why our room stinks so bad. <laughs> But uh, this this is what we're talking about. This isn't a pleasant experience, okay? He's got the seaweed wrapped around him. Um, you know, what do fish eat? I mean, you think about that. Um, not only that, the commentators talk about just the different juices and things in the fish. And when he was spewed out, he, he very much so could have been bleached by all this. I mean, his hair could have been white, his face, you know. Um, no wonder they listened to him, right? No <laughs> But, I mean, this was not a pleasant experience. You know, um, you know, we often think when we submit to God, God's going to call me to Africa. You know, as I talk to those African missionaries, they don't seem all bad, do they? They seem like they really enjoy what they're doing and what God's doing. I mean, there are some different crazy experiences they go through. But, you know, when you're in the center of God's will, there's no greater joy. There's no greater blessing than you're just following God and seeing what God has. That's really one of our goals in going down to Peru is to encourage our missionaries, take part in it, see what God's doing. Um, But to say no to God is not always a pleasant experience. Uh, It can be very, very hard. Verse 6, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought my... Brought up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God. He must have felt like he was going to die. I mean, this was horrible. Uh, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee into thine house. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. This is is pretty powerful. What what he's saying is when when you go and you worship these vain idols, these things that are not true, these things that we imagine and we, we put our resources and our time and our energies toward them, we're forsaking God's mercy and his grace and his help and his strength. But we think somehow those things, we feel like they please us, they're going to satisfy, they're going to help us, but it's the opposite. And he's starting to realize these things and he says, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will, I will pay that that I have vowed, salvation is of the Lord. 
And the Lord spake unto the fish. Again, God's control. And it vomited, it spewed out Jonah upon the dry land. What a ride, okay? (laughs) Some of you have been through experiences, rides, maybe not quite like that, but things. And uh, you can all you can do is but give God the glory. My father-in-law, who just is going back to South Carolina, has a neat testimony. Um, he was over, I want to say it was Japan, where he was at. And um, the missionary there was able to go. I don't know if it was on base housing or off. I'm not sure. But he was able to get on, and he would, he would go around and knock on the soldiers' doors. And he would say, hey, I just want to invite you to church. You need to come to church. Well, he, he knocked on his door like 29 times. But I don't know who was counting, the missionary or him. But he finally said, if you will never knock on my door again, I will go just to get rid of you. Okay, I'll, I will go. You never come back. Well, he went, he went to the revival meetings and he ended up getting saved. And God, God just did such a great work in my father-in-law's heart that he got saved later in life and just radically changed by the, by the power of God. And God can do that at any age. But it's, it's far better to, to turn to him earlier than having to to go through these these situations. Now, sometimes we go through those situations and it's not because God's trying to discipline us. It's just because God is doing something bigger and much much more than we can even imagine like he did with Job. And really, he was lifting Job up and saying, have you seen my servant, Job? Have you seen how he's getting through these things? Now, Job kind of got a bad attitude there at the end, but God corrected him. But but God loves us so much. He's, he loves these people in Assyria. Yes, it was a message of wrath. But isn't, isn't that what you have to learn first, too, before you accept Christ? It's a message of wrath. But it's also a God that's full of mercy and ready to forgive because of the Lord Jesus Christ who took that wrath on the cross for us, and that condemnation. We need him daily. And he's the one. We ought to be so thankful for our salvation, salvations of the Lord. God help us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's good to look again at this book and to see this reluctant, reluctant missionary um, prophet uh, who's really not known for doing much in Israel, uh, but yet running from you, you, you prepared the storm, prepared that great fish, going through three days in the fish's belly, um, and that's a miracle, but Lord, to... to to go through all of that and to finally be spewed back on the ground, um, ready to go uh, to Nineveh, Lord. We um, we just want to ask tonight, Lord, that you'd help our hearts to be tender. Um, Lord, there may be some things that you've laid on people's hearts even now, some things that they've kind of put off to the side, and though not physically running, but running um, just not putting you first, putting you in the in the background and and uh, Lord, no, no doubt, each one of us has things like that daily. Where we're, we're just not as close to you as we need to be. We don't. We're not. We're not as revived as we need to be. As we need to be in, in the Word of God, and in prayer, and and uh, seeking the lost and sharing Christ. I pray you'd revive us again, Lord, uh, that we would we would arise and that we would go, Lord, that we would have a heart for the lost, a burden for the lost, Lord, that even those that um, look totally different, act different, of different maybe religions, whatever it might be, that we would have a, a heart to reach them with the gospel. Uh, Lord, that we would pray. Uh, Lord, that you'd help. And, and Lord, use us. Um, and Lord, we pray. Lord, as 
going through Sunday nights, looking at the churches. We pray, Lord, that our candlestick would would just uh, would would have a great influence as Jesus shines brightly in our church, in each one of our lives, in our homes, in our community. Lord, with all these different contractors we run into and people with the city um, and ultimately that neighborhood over there and that influence we have, Lord, we, we just pray that we would shine brightly for you. And uh, Lord, you'd help us. Lord, we love you and we thank you now. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.